Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Hello and welcome back to Short Bus Debate Club. This is Brian Courtney and I am back from our little siesta. Um, Darren went on vacation to Florida for whatever that's worth. I fucking hate it down there. It's humid. Bunch of pretentious cocksuckers. Yes. Uh, you really going to call it? I mean, did we just, did you just take a nap for a week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a long fucking nap. I love you all, but after the post office at Christmas time, I, I need a, I need a week long nap in Florida. Um, so we're back and I mentioned at the end of the last show that we were going to change the format a little bit once we swung around after the vacation. So, um, what we're going to do now is we're not going to do seasons because we're on a short bus. So we're going to do it like the school year. That was Darren's suggestion. So spring 2023 right now we are in spring semester. For those of you that are too fucking stupid to follow, we're going to do summer semester, and then we'll swing back into fall. Um, or you can call them trimesters if you want. It, if you're having kids. <laughs> <laughs> if you went to DU, you know. We, we have a buddy who went to, well, we're not going to call him a buddy anymore, but we have an acquaintance who went to DU who definitely was probably is driving the short bus because that's pretty much where he's belonged for the vast majority of his life. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so besides the semester thing, uh, we are also going to eliminate one day a week. So we're going to do Wednesday and Friday or Wednesday and Saturday. Wednesday will be no longer light. Wednesday will be the more serious one. And then Friday or Saturday will be the more jovial one, I guess. But we're fucking jovial we all the time. We know. We, we, we know sometimes we try to we try to lighten it up, but because we're incredibly like optimistic figures that are just filled with joy, that sometimes we we fail to capture the the light the levity. Yes, but that's but the, that's the schedule though. We are we are jovial. Um, but we're also gonna do exclusive content. So. Because a lot of these topics that we cover require research uh, for some of us more than others um, because of rabbit holes and whatever. This really is school. I mean, after all, we, we, we yeah. have abandoned education for real education. So we do a lot of research and that takes up time. Um, so we're going to cut a day and then we're going to do exclusive content. So you're going to get roughly an hour for free. And then if you want more you got to subscribe and pay whatever the fuck it ends up being $5 a month five, or whatever. Five a month, 50 year, I think is what we're going to hopefully going to settle on. Yeah. We'll, so, we'll arm wrestle over that a little bit more probably. Yeah. And we'll see. I mean, cause we're not actually in it for the money anyway, but it'd be nice cause it does take a lot of fucking time. I, I, I had to buy a book this week. You know, I mean, I, I, I did have to buy a book this week. His new book. Oh, so, okay. It's on the way. 
with your new mic stand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that we got that out of the way, um, again, welcome back. Obviously, I'm Brian Courtney. That other guy is Darren Jolly. Hi. And we are the Short Bus Debate Club. Um, to really kick off this spring semester of vocation, no, education. I said vocation because I think of this kind of as a job sometimes. Well, job, you know, pedagogy, you know, we're, this is what we do. We're dorks. I mean, it, it, and it, it's a full-time job being a dork. That is a true statement. Um, we are going to cover military appropriations mainly for 2023, and that includes um, intelligence. And the reason that I say that is because... The subcommittee for defense covers the military, which excludes military construction and VA benefits. It includes the CIA, all intelligence agencies and organizations, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. So you've got to keep in mind that there are two appropriations subcommittees within Congress. There is an appropriation subcommittee in Senate, and then there's an appropriation subcommittee in the House. And so both of them put resolutions forward in order to come up with a budget that everybody can agree on. And that is, so if you believe the bullshit that's in the paper, <laughs> Joe Biden submitted a request for a $500 billion budget for fiscal year 2023. And then Congress came back with a fucking whopper of a budget at $857.1 million. Roughly $860 million. What the fuck, over? So, yeah. Um, I don't know if there was some sort of fucking greasy handshake shit going on where they're all patting each other on the back and blow on each other um, to, to end up with this $857 billion. Or, you know, if the White House really truly wanted $500 billion. Um, but none of that really matters, because the fact is we've got a fucking $857 billion budget for the military but even even as brian says that though and we're going to talk about it for this this i mean you we all understand that this isn't a contest right i mean we understand that this is this is this is a, a budget that's been bloated that's been bloated and continues to be more and more bloated throughout the years under trump it went up a ton um not i mean not saying that prior to that it was i mean it, it went up a ton after 9 11 and then it kind of tapered off and started to go back down a little bit underneath, under uh, Obama. But I mean, saying, saying it went down, I mean, you're talking about it was, is it roughly a trillion, you know, during those years with regards to uh, Bush Jr., right? Yes, and, second and, and, Bush. Yeah, and then we got down into like the mid 600s under Obama, and then Trump said, no, we're going to, so, it, but I mean, if, 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 if the rhetorical disposition is that you believe that, and, and we'll get into this more, that, that Republicans spend more money on uh, defense budgets than Democrats, then 
you, you really haven't understood the the dynamics of the Democratic concept. I mean, ultimately, um, and while there are, you know, like uh, Rand Paul is different than some people in the same way that maybe uh, AOC is different, but you know, all these motherfuckers still voted for that appropriations. The vast majority of them did. So um, whatever. But uh, we'll we'll talk about the substance of that a little. So I just said you gotta. I'm just saying it. It isn't a context, but we are going to. The numbers that we're going to cover are going to be from this year. So. Well, so here's something interesting, and I couldn't decide whether to read parts of the Eisenhower speech before I gave these numbers or after, or maybe break it up a little and do it, you know, well, intermittent. It's going to come back up again later a ton, no matter what. No, but, but this this is interesting because you mentioned the Trump stuff and yep. going up, and then it kind of went down, and then it went up again. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. 1899, during the Spanish-American War, the military budget was, or I'm sorry, the United States budget, the US budget. was $605 million. That's what they spent that year, mm -hmm. 1899. World War I, 1917, they spent $18.5 billion. That's the whole, that's the whole budget. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, but you got to consider that's fucking 1917. No, I, I, of course I get the number. I'm just trying to see it like, like, cause we're not just talking about military appropriations, but obviously. We're, well, right. We're, and I don't like, know, I don't know what percentage cause they didn't say that. Sure. Um, Maybe they weren't breaking it down. They, yeah. they weren't. Um, 1927, it went back down to mm -hmm. 2.9 billion, which is. Especially since there was no war and we're about to go fucking bankrupt like a bunch of bankrupt motherfuckers. World War Two fucking skyrockets. One hundred and forty three point eight billion dollars in 1943. So that's like the birth of uh, what's the uh, military Keynesianism like the, 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 the military yeah. industrial complex yeah, uh -huh. for sure. Yes, uh -huh. So it went down 30 billion dollars after WW2. But then the Korean War came up. And it went to $91.1 billion. Um, so I guess the reason that I mention this is because we're talking about military budgets. And with military budgets and the military industrial complex comes, again, this fucking greasy handshake patent asses blowing each other thing to where <laughs> it's the, you know it's the military industrial complex circle jerk yeah we're we're gonna buy your missiles we're gonna buy these ships you don't even have to deliver us the ships until 2027 but we're gonna go ahead and fucking cut you a check today um but then you know things start to slow down and there's no fucking war anymore so the budgets drop and they start scratching their head. Who the fuck can we mess with now? Oh, I got an idea. Let's go and fucking jab Russia in the eye. And let's back the Ukraine and pretend that we give a fuck what's happening to them. Because we pretended what was happening in Afghanistan made a fucking difference to us. And we had skyrocketed the budget then because of Bush's axis of evil. Um... You know, so if if you just look at those those numbers and keep in mind, we're talking about way in the past. So I don't know what percentage of that was military and what wasn't. Here's what I can tell you. According to the Department of Treasury, 
12% of our taxes or the total budget goes to national defense. Now keep in mind that in 2022 we went 1. Point, almost 1.4 trillion dollars more into debt because we have a tendency to spend more than we have. Us? Yeah, I know. Weird, Deficit right? Spending? <laughs> Which is fucked up. I guess maybe that's why they got rid of debtors prism. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that deficit spending is fucked up personally, but well, no, I'm that's not. A different discussion I'm not saying that deficit spending is fucked up because I know we've got to do things, and most of the time they sell bonds in order to do it. But all of it depends on, I guess, who's buying the bonds, who's loaning us the money, what the interest rate are, shit like that. Before we can say going into a deficit is an issue. Let's just stay with the deficit right now. Okay, right? we're gonna we're not gonna deal with finance to be right. We're just dealing with But we're definitely gonna deal the budget. with the fact that we're spending some scratch on fucking military. Yeah. So and that there is a direct correlation between uh, active military activities and US budgets. And has been since at least 1899. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. and, and, and that's only because they, they weren't doing any statistical analysis before that, you know. Right. And I can't imagine, you know, in 1899, there was no education system. Yeah. You know, there was no Department of Transportation. It was actually in the 1890s that we started to, to institute public ed education. Okay, fine. So nine years in, but no, I no, mean, no, I'm just saying, yeah, but yeah, I get that there are other that social programs did not exist in a formal way. Yeah, there was no social security. It was the very when I and when I say that it was the very very beginning of, of uh, public education, like, it, and it was not happening everywhere all at once. But there was no interstate highway system. I I mean, none of that shit existed. So the majority of this six hundred and five million dollars. There wasn't an interstate highway system in 1899. <laughs> It was no, it was called an interstate road system. So when when when, we, gully. when we actually an alley. had to create the justification for it in the first place, how did we do that? It was in the name of defense. I mean, it was absolutely. Yeah, so, we I need mean, to get around faster. We need to move armaments and. If, if Russia drops the bomb, we have to be able to get motherfuckers from here to there really quick. Yeah. So whatever. Okay. I, I gotcha. That's, yeah, yeah. that's fine. I mean, I, I don't need to carry on too much. So I think this is important. Okay. I don't know if anybody has ever fucking heard this before. And I'm not going to read the whole fucking thing because it's 27 pages long. But the Eisenhower speech says a lot about what we're talking about. So we can... I mean, if if you've got something to say, because I've been talking for twenty five no, minutes. I've been, inter I've been interjecting. Go ahead. I mean, the Eisenhower because because it's like when when I spin off of these spaces, the the primary space that I'm going to spin off of is is this idea of Keynesian militarism and like the fact that on a certain level uh, that doesn't adequately because I mean ultimately if we're going to try to understand this stuff like one of the things that I harp on over and over again is is that we need a paradigm to understand it right right like and to understand you know like uh, your economy is 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 sluggish so you need to create like false demand in a certain space so you know you, you create social programs or you 
build a Hoover Dam. Yeah, or or you create an interstate highway, <laughs> or or you develop a really really strong military. You know, you, 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 or you, all of those yeah, things. all at the same time. Yeah. So, uh, but um, so when we when we get there, then I'll but go because that's that's really. It's at least a segue into where we're going. Yeah, because the the money, I mean, and, and the way that we've allowed ourselves to justify these expenditures is directly related to uh, a president who was an ex-general who said, you know, which, which uh, old boy, you know, Oliver Stone put right at the beginning of JFK, you know, I mean, especially like he, he, he it was a bigger snippet in the extended version. So watch the extended version. It's good. But uh, well, it's, carry on. again, the speech is fucking twenty-seven pages long. It took over ten minutes you know, to I, do in nineteen sixty-one. When we when we decided to do it, I actually went and listened to it three times. So okay, <laughs> so I'm I'm skipping around, and basically the intro to the speech is just him, and he didn't actually. Anyway, he just kind of kissed everybody's ass, including the TV and radio broadcasters. Um, but he says, like every other citizen, I wish the new president and all who will labor with him Godspeed. I don't dig that part because I'm not fucking religious. Can I we focus on the military, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I pray that the coming years will be blessed with peace and prosperity for all. Now, the part I want to focus on there is peace and prosperity. There's irony, yes. Yes. Not the blessed or the prey. That's not foreshadowing, to be sure. Um, our people expect their president and the Congress to find essential agreement on issues of great moment. The wise, wise resolution of which will be better shape the future of our nation. So I skipped an entire page in the notes. And basically... We, we now stand 10 years past the midpoint of a century that has witnessed four major wars among great nations. Three of these involved our own country. Um, so basically, he's saying more happens, you know, and it's understandable. Um, but I'm going to skip or at even least more. At the very least, it practically applies to our situation. A vital element in keeping the peace is our military establishment. I don't disagree with that. Our arms must be mighty, ready for instant action, so that no potential aggressor may be tempted to risk his own destruction. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known by any of my predecessors in peacetime, or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. So he's making a comment about the qualitative like development of like how big and monstrous and capable the military had become at that point in time. Well, absolutely. And that was his next point at altogether. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. What was that again? How did what was that last part? <laughs> Until the latest of our world conflicts the United States had no armaments industry. That is a very, very interesting point. Yeah, so he talks about farmers making swords and shit in the next graph, but that's fine. I mean, but he says now we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent, permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. 
Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. And that was in 1961 that three and a half million people were engaged in the defense mm-hmm. establishment. That number is has increased substantially. Because that was he was 52 to 60. He was 50, well, 53 to 61, essentially, until he won. That, because that's his exit speech. Yeah, right? yeah, that was his sayonara, I'm getting the yeah. fuck out of here speech. <laughs> sayonara, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> This conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, see this motherfucker, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Grave implication. What happens when you let fucking Northrop Grumman and fucking Martin Marriott or whatever the fuck they're called Bell now? Helicopter gets bought yeah. up by uh, those. The, what's those guys down in Texas? Uh, not, dude, there's so many of them. I just it's can't. It's the big one though, dude. There's like four or five of them that are fucking huge. I'm not thinking about a lot. General of Dynamics. Yes, General Dynamics. That's what I was thinking of. That's right. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence. Unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. Did he coin that fucking term? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think I'm 98% sure he's the, they, like I've, a million times I've heard, you know, in political science, them say that he was the first person. He was the first person that ever said it. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. And exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Yeah, that that's all of the speech I'm going to read. And I apologize to all of you for, you know, basically reading some speech from 1961. No, don't but apologize. It's a contextual thing, man. I thought it was important because I don't think people really realize that, you know, you know, they talk about, well, if you want the fucking economy stimulated, create a war. I don't well, think they ever actually said it quite like that. I've heard lots of people say something very similar, but nobody in politics ever said that. No, that isn't what I'm saying. I'm just talking about the every man or right. the every person to be more politically correct. I mean, that's that's that is the defining characteristic of military Keynesianism. Is is that you create an artificial demand through Right. Yeah. No, no, I get it. Yeah. But what I'm thinking is that nobody understands, and I don't even fucking understand, and I understand a lot of it, but nobody understands all of the different pieces that are moving around the board in order to make that happen. So again, you know, do we back the Ukraine just so that because we pulled out general Afghanistan. dynamics can sell more fucking whatever planes because we pulled out Afghanistan therefore a demand disappeared that we needed to we needed to maintain right. and create i mean this because the, and 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 look on on a certain level 
I don't want to be confused as being interpreted as saying that that these guys are twisting mustaches, you know, in, in back rooms, but <laughs> Colorado sunshine, mustache twisting motherfucker. Um, but when you look at all of the various different uh, aspects of what happened in 2014 when they pulled, uh, when they moved the, you know, the, the, the pro-Russian uh, president of Ukraine out and the, the various different, uh, the escalation that came, you know, through, through the Crimea position, um, through what was going on in Eastern Ukraine um, and uh, Biden's son, you know, and these are just actors, you know, but they're actors that were doing very specific things at specific times that were sort of like, it's almost like you're putting something in place while you're, there is a narrative that's sort of like being constructed at that point in time where, cause we were, I mean, Bin Laden was dead, you know, I mean, we put the Taliban in power in 97 anyway, in the first place, you know, I mean, we, you know, we've done all these other sorts of like things to... Well, so you're the one that made me watch that fucking clip of Charlie Wilson's war, yeah, uh-huh. right? So what did Charlie Wilson tell the spook? And I'm talking about a CIA guy, not, it's not a racial thing. Um, the CIA guy, he told him we got him up to a billion dollars or $5 billion? It was a billion. It was okay. a, yeah, it was so, because Saudi Arabia was matching our, our funds, so we got Congress up to $500 million and Saudi Arabia was matching at $500 million. So we got to a billion dollars in funding to where we were funding the Mujahideen to, to, to basically do what they were doing. Okay, in, so we got Afghanistan. we got them all of that fucking money, and that's a billion dollars back in what was it, eighty eight? Seventy nine. No, it was it was it was eighty eight. It was eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah, seventy. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm my time. My time is all fucked up. Yeah, it was eighty eight, eighty nine. It was, had to be somewhere. Bush, in the Bush 80s. was the Bush was the president. He, he he that there's that line where he says, "I got a I got a Democratic Congress in lockstep with a Republican president." <laughs> <laughs> Some fucking funny, funny shit. It was a, it was, well, it was eighty nine then, I think, because I'm pretty sure it was Bush. What, it, it was, it was right there. I know it was in the late eighties. Um, but so again, that was Charlie Wilson, and he thought he was doing like a good thing, like because you know they were against communism and they wanted to get the Russians out of Afghanistan. So Charlie Wilson probably thought what he was doing was serving the globe somehow in his weird fucking congressman mind. Um, so, and then, then, then the spook turns to him and says, the crazies are rolling in the Kandahar like a motherfucking bathtub, bathtub drain. So he basically tells Charlie Wilson that if you don't go in there and help these motherfuckers to rebuild this place, then you're basically creating a breeding ground for terrorism and people that are going to hate the United States that are going to say, we did all this shit for you. And this is what you turn around and did for us. And so uh, ostensibly creating the conditions for, you know, for long-term military conflict in the region. I mean, that's like, if you're not an idiot, you know, and he, the CIA guy said it straight to fucking Charlie Wilson's face. There's going to be problems that are going to develop here if we don't try to deal with, Helping these people to have a, a concrete democratic civil society or something to that effect. Okay, so if we're not mustache twisting, you know, <laughs> nefarious people, yeah. Then 
were the people in Congress at that time and the president just flat fucking stupid? stupid. Like, see, that's where I can't really some decide. Of were, some like, of them had to know what was going to come out of it. Like, was that part of the plan? Like, was fucking Rumsfeld sitting there, you know, in the back of the attorney general's office? And he's saying, you know, I can make some shit happen with this once I get in there. Um, we can we can make this work. Um, I, I don't know. I'm extremely skeptical of the government, but... To think that all of Congress was sitting there thinking, well, fuck it. If we leave all these terrorists there, then pretty soon, you know, in 2000, in 1990, in 1995, in 1993, when they fucking bombed the USS Cole, then we can start some military shit over there. I don't know if they had that much forethought. Well, so 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 it was '88, right? That that I, that 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 the Soviets were were coming out, right? '89 um, was when the wall starts coming down, right? Because um, our our military, I'm sure, investments during that time period were still pretty high because of the Soviets, right? '91. Um, uh, December thirty first, ninety one is the day that the 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 hammer and the sickle went down and the sun set on it for the last time. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I like because I I do believe that Congress creates shit. Uh -huh. Like I believe that we go down to fucking South America and fuck around with drug dealers and finance FARC or the Sandinistas or whoever uh -huh. and sell arms that way. Uh -huh. Well, and with ISIS, I mean, like the, what what happened, you know, we we we, can, we I mean, like after what happened in nine eleven, if you didn't think that going and doing what we were doing in Iraq wasn't going to create a response, I mean, we 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 like ISIS developed out of that that activity, and we were, I mean, in in Syria we were funding them, you know. There, I mean, there's all these different spaces where, like, so so this, I mean, I guess like we we can go down the going down the, the mushroom or the, the, the mushroom <laughs> the mustache twisting uh, rabbit hole that doesn't do us very much good but what what does at least seem uh, clear is that the creation of conflict throughout the globe uh, creates demand for military hardware for military uh, access for logistics for access to needing needing access to satellites you know information training all, all of these various different the thing all the things that tie to the military industrial complex writ large yeah so i'm, I'm gonna take a slight detour and it's just because i'm thinking about still stimulating the economy um so when they were talking about building that wall between mexico and and the united states mm -hmm. Every fucking concrete oh, manufacturer in the United States and probably the world was fucking just hard as a motherfucker. And they wanted to submit get some, down there yeah, and submit, submit bids. Some, yep. So when Afghanistan was all fucked up in 1988, the CIA guy said, you know, let's get some more money. Let's build some schools. Restock let's build their, some roads. Yeah, let's redo the, the electricity. You know? Do all of that mm -hmm. shit. 
wouldn't that have stimulated the economy to some degree? You know, I mean, I think that like the so like at the, at the bottom of the question that you're asking right there is, I mean, that's 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 the key question for the future, right? Like so, what 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 is going to be the modus operandi behind how government exists in the future? Is that what they're worried about? Like, okay, so if let's say. We go to Syria and mm -hmm. we build schools, or Afghanistan, or Chechnya, or wherever right. the fuck, yeah. right? We go and we build schools and we pave roads and we put electricity in and we give them a fucking infrastructure and we do all of this stuff. And it stimulates our economy like a motherfucker because we've got people over there running cable and we've got concrete people and asphalt people and fucking bricks and whatever. Are they worried that once they get up and running and become educated, that we're gonna they're gonna say fuck you to the United States? They're not even they're not even going, that's not, not even, even a going, consideration not even going down that road. Like like honestly, like you, you're you're talking like Lockheed's talking about the money that they're making with their contracts. They're only thinking about production. I mean, and, and honestly, why would you want to have to reinvent yourself? Because like right now, like when I was looking at so to go to the actual fiscal year 2023 National Defense Authorization Act, where they line item all of the various different things that we're spending money on yes. here, the actual appropriations themselves, all right? One of the things when I was flipping through this motherfucker that really stuck out to me a lot. And I'm going to put a link to this document that he's referring to in the description because this is it this is this is the this is the appropriations for 2023 this is what we're talking in, in concrete terms this is what we're talking about all right so um you go to a spot where they talk about investing in cutting edge technologies right 25 million dollars for low cost low low cost trivial aircraft technology 75 million for defense advanced research projects 20 million for darpa Utility-scale quantum computing activities. 85 million to develop test and prototype advancement technology for jamming, protecting electronic warfare and signature. Okay, so you can go down the, all this list right here, right? That 20 million dollars to DARPA to DARPA is the scariest 20 million I've ever heard of. Okay, but even even still, that is money that seeds the R&D for these private firms to develop technologies so that they can make money off of contracts that they would in turn put, you know, in with the defense department in, in the long run, right? So in a world where we keep talking about capitalism as if capitalism functions, right? Uh, I, I'm sorry, but when, when we're funding the research and development for a private company, this is not capitalism anymore, you know? And when that company in turn develops that technology through the money that was given to them through the government, not through their own ingenuity and innovation, which is what capitalism is allegedly. And I'm not, I want you to be, I want to be clear. I'm not making an argument for capitalism right now. I just want to be clear that what we're calling capitalism is not fucking capitalism. So they're going to, they're going to, they're going to develop that, that stuff. And then they're going to turn around and they're going to get paid for it by the government. Right. There, there, there's a term for that, right? That's socialism. That is socialism. That is money that is all being generated and being planned and developed through the government itself and through these entities that act as arms that we say are private entities, but they are absolutely not fucking private entities. They are arms of the government that function. We identify them as corporations, but 
I mean, corporation is essentially collectivized capital. So, I, I mean, like for the rest of my life, you're going to hear me talk about this shit over and over and over and over again. But when I look at that, that's what I fucking see. I see, and it's all over here. R&D. Oh, over I know, and over, and over and fucking over again. The, the cybersecurity stuff. I mean, and that, that in itself is like, I mean, they're going to, the amount of money that's going to, that is going to be a super fucking bloated program over the course of the next couple of years because everybody's fucking afraid of cybersecurity. We don't understand it. Well, blah, blah, it blah. has been probably since 2016. Mm-hmm. I mean, or at least since that fucking stupid Sony shit happened where, you know, a corporation was hacked. Then the United States said, oh, my God, we're in so much trouble. And that's what they said aloud. But I have a feeling that they were working on it prior. Yeah, it allows them to justify. I mean, again, tons of things. That, but that's why the DARPA money scared me was because they ran that fucking test back in, I want to say, 2006, 2007 what? on like Facebook where they were tracking people and who they had this fucking stupid game where who could find this thing the fastest and DARPA was testing everybody on. I don't think it was moves. on Facebook in 2006 or 2007 because I don't think that Facebook. Had quite achieved that. Maybe level. it was 28. That would have been MySpace at that point in time. So maybe it was MySpace. I don't know, but mm-hmm. DARPA scares but, yeah. the shit out of me. Um, probably more than any other government organization other than FEMA. Just as a side, like Project for New American Century, all that stuff. DARPA was like, like at the center of all of that when they when they wrote it all up and yeah, not not yeah. I mean. Fuck, man. You know, I mean, this is the world that we live in. You know, I mean, we live in a in in, in a socialized. I mean, it, like if you could like take like as as this as these these defense authorization act numbers continue to become more and more bloated. You know, it's funny because like people always compare the United States to Rome. You know, like a waning empire and all that kind of shit. But uh, like I think about it more like a like Athens to Sparta right now, you know, like, because we, we're, 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 uh, so who are the 300 then? It's not that Sparta motherfucker, but it's the, it's that idea where you militarize a society, you know, because your, your, your political economy can't function. You haven't come to terms with the fact that the way that the system reproduces itself no longer reproduces itself the same way, i.e. capitalism does not function the way that it functioned before. Does that mean, that mean, that, that's a complicated thing by itself. But having said that, um, what do we do? We socialize. We socialize a, uh, a military. I mean, that's which is essentially what we, we're, we're we're doing. You know, all, all all these different things become a branch of that. The the police, you know, department on local levels, state levels. You know, uh, I mean, after 9/11, the rhetorical disposition was about coordination. You know, I mean, in in, in this. I don't know how many times I read, you know, something about coordination, coordinate, you know, and in the uh, intelligence stuff, when you look at the money, um, particularly when you look at the directives in relation to the money, coordination, coordination, coordination between between branches, coordination between uh, uh, intelligence agencies. Did they have so they have budgets set up where like SWAT is special weapons and tactics, right? Mm-hmm. But those are at municipal levels mm-hmm. at least maybe state but i mean they're given grants to these guys so that they can buy vests from whatever provider that they say 
Um, but the coordination thing, so there's a department within the state of Colorado. I don't want to say what it is, but I've spoken to them on numerous occasions and mm. they when you run your sales jobs, huh? Well, no. They had it set up to where like there is a fucking liaison to get from the CBI, which is the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, to the FBI and Homeland Security. And that that communication has to be Something. instantaneous. Something. Yeah. Um and that was, you know, one of their main concerns with the network and everything else. Not to mention, you know, some other shit. But that coordination thing is definitely important. You ever bring that up again, dude? What you just said? <laughs> you should ever, ever, ever say any of the things that you just said ever again on this broadcast. I mean, I know that that was the world that you, you know, I mean, that was the, the tech that you dealt with here and there, but. That's life. I mean, that's that's you know, we're we're yeah we're we're heading down a big uh, so e e either way, it's okay. important, and that's why. Let's so again another tangent, but that's why in my book I just put everybody into blue and gray uniforms. Mm -hmm. The gray uniform. Well, I can't even fucking remember. I think the gray uniforms were the ones that fucking monitored the prisons and the blue uniforms were the fucking cops and military. And that was it. Just two uniforms. Cause we're almost fucking there. And once we reach that point, I know I sound like a fucking psycho, but we're not too fucking far behind martial law, dude. Well, so we're, we're, we're really getting deep into this. I mean, we should at least talk about some of the numbers a little, some a little of the bit money. More, more, more before we <laughs> like write, write this off. I mean, because ultimately we're, we're, yes, we're going to end up getting to that point where we're going to like because this is. I I was listening to a, 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 a Jacobin did a thing with uh, um, Noam Chomsky and Vijay Prasad. Prashad, I uh, they're they're fine. You know, everybody loves Noam Chomsky. Um, I, I I think that he's a great historian, but I I'm I'm just not looking to Noam or Vijay for that matter for my paradigm to understand the way that uh, the system is reproducing itself and. Um, they talked about, they, they, they wrote a book together called The Withdrawal, um, The Fragility of U.S. Power. Um, is, that's, that's essentially the title. Um, they're talking about us leaving Libya. They're talking about us leaving Iraq, Afghanistan, um, and about how tenuous our uh, control is. And I, like, it, it has to do with this, this thing that we're talking about here, this, this militarism. They identify it directly with, with Keynesian militarism. And I got to go through the book and make sure that I'm not misunderstanding or misrepresenting what they're saying, but in the discussion that I was listening to on Jacobin, you know, VJ makes the simple, you know, comment about how, um, you know, like out of, out of the depression, you know, we realized that you can create demand, you know, you, you can do certain things by, uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier by, by, you know, making the Hoover Dam, by making the, uh, uh, the highway system in the United States by creating a strong military. Um, you can do certain things to generate economic activity. Um, and the idea is, is that, so like in the rhetorical bullshit that comes out of normal uh, economic spaces, 
there's an idea of a business cycle, right? The idea is, is that uh, things are going good and then, then things go bad. And that that's like the way that things tend to function, of course, uh, because they, these idiots that do normal economics never read Marx or uh, uh, tried to understand anything about uh, the way that uh, different social relations interact with one another and then develop over time and become more and more integrated. And then that system begins to change in certain ways. Uh, they, they, they never understood that you don't talk about it in terms of a business cycle, um, at least in my estimation. But the idea is this, is that as these, these spaces start to become more and more coordinated over time, because there is not, it's not like corporations just exist there, there's a there's there's a tendency towards centralization, just like there was a tendency towards centralization in in uh, state capitalism in in in, in uh, the Soviet Union. Um, these spaces sort of become become tighter and tighter, um, and you don't wait for the business cycles to happen. You're actually uh, consciously generating those business cycles as 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 they move, um, which means that you're like in the space of how our uh, existing military industrial complex is, is reproducing itself. It's not like, so if, if it was really Keynesian militarism, you would have these downturns and then you would have investment, but that's not what's happening. There's a constant increase in the investment into the military industrial complex in, in the US, like more and more and more and more. So there's this artificial feeding of that industry over and over and over again. It's not. That, so that's not Keynesianism anymore. That's understanding that there's money that's out there that needs to be invested and you can continue to extract value from the people who are doing the, who are your laborers um, in those spaces by continually reinvesting in those, those projects, especially when you continue to extract the value uh, through these other artificial means, like through taxing in the R&D and the way that we're seeing that happening. Um, but again, like this is, this is, this is not, this is, this is where I think VJ and, and Noam are missing the boat. This is not military Keynesianism anymore. This is something where you're actually, I think that you got to kind of start to graduate to like William I. Robinson at this point and start to think about stuff like the global police state, where you actually have a military political economy that's literally like uh, constantly reproducing itself and innovating itself through all these different uh, different spaces. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. Well, so. What? Well, I don't know, dude. I mean, like when I picture a global police state, I picture 1984, Fahrenheit 452, 452, uh, 451. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the heat at which paper burns. Right. Um, and any of the other millions of fucking weird ass military state type movies mm -hmm. that are out there mm -hmm. or books. Mm -hmm. Um. But what you make it sound like is that they constantly reproduce themselves in order to generate more revenue. Mm -hmm. But I'm figuring that once they generate all of the revenue to where they have us in to a fucking cage, all of us, which we're close because everybody lives on a fucking dead end now, um, or a cul-de-sac, then 
they no longer worry about it. They just send us to our jobs to fucking put the tube in the thing and then read the thing and whatever. We're nowhere near so that, that yet. No, 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 no. I understand that. I know we're way, way <laughs> far from that. But what I'm saying is that to me is a true global police state is where we're just going and doing nothing except using whatever skill okay. we have our labor that's, that's fine that that's your to your, feed your, the fucking thing that's I, your definition of no that. i'm it's not my fucking <laughs> definition asshole i'm trying to ask you what so he what, said so what i'm what i'm what i'm okay here i'll, I'll give you a, a good uh so this is where he actually distinguishes his analytic space from military keynesianism right all right so just give me give me about a page and a half it'll take me a minute that's okay? fine so your thing. he starts with this. So this is militarized accumulation and accumulation by repression. All right. Uh, the beginning of chapter three, page 71, William I. Robinson, the global police state. All right. So he's got two quotes that he has at the beginning. This is from Jeff Halper in uh, War Against the People. Corruption, cozy business relationships between rulers and entrepreneurs, the free-for-all looting of national resources, hundreds of millions of profits to be made by all concerns, suppression, and the impover impoverishment of the local population. All this requires presidential guards, elite special ops units, exaggerated militaries, ubiquitous security, uh, security forces, and the infusion of arms. Profits are there to be made, power to be wielded by classes of people who have vested interests, International warlordism best describes this world system. It's closed loop of transnational corporations, their commercial and military agents on the ground, corrupt politicians, and the ruling class collaborators, security forces, and the local warlords enforce order and keep everything moving while suppressing the growing masses. So he's, 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 there's a, there's a cycle that he's sort of like illuminating there, right? I see that. So, okay. And the next one, Shell Oil Executive. For a commercial company trying to make investments, you need a stable environment. Dictatorships can give you that. Okay, so that's the end. That's the end goal, right? So there's the distinction, right? So like maybe at some point, but in the meantime, when you generate value through destruction, through killing, through, you know, imprisoning people, you know, I mean, through... Well, and that goes back to the old saying, though, that there's what, if there's blood on the streets, buy property? Yeah. Okay, so, but before we get too far away, so again, like, so what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm creating a distinction between right now in this, in this next page and a half here is the difference between military Keynesianism and something that William I. Robinson is seeing and the emergence of these corridors, right? So, okay. In the classical 1966 study, Monopoly Capitalism, Paul Barron and Paul Sweezy, Club Paul Sweezy, argued that capitalist systems need rising levels of military spending as an outlet for ever greater amounts of accumulated surplus, right? So that's the, the birth of military Keynesianism, Keynesianism concepts, right? Here at last, monopoly capitalism has seemingly found the answer to the on what question. They wrote with regards to the rising Pentagon budget, on what would the government spend enough to keep the system from sinking into the mire of stagnation? On arms, more arms, and even more arms. The concept of military Keynesianism in the post-World War II period thus referred to expanding military budgets to offset stagnation in the capitalist economy in the same way that Keynesian policies more generally sought to create demand and stimulate the economy. U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, 
as we were referring to earlier, first coined the term military industrial complex, famously warning in his farewell address in 1961 that an immersed military establishment with a large industry had emerged as a hidden force in, the, in US politics. More than half a century later, it is time to update our understanding of the relationship between militarization and capitalism. If military Keynesianism referred to the purchase by the state of weapons systems and military equipment from industrial subcontractors as a subsidy to private capital, there has been in recent years, and especially since the events of September 11, 2001, a much more sweeping militarization of the global capitalist economy and society. War profiteering, far from new, is as old as war itself. All wars are, for the appropriation of surplus in the broadest sense, beyond outright plunder, war wars are for the creation, defense, and reproduction of the conditions under which surpluses can be generated by some groups and appropriated by others. What requires analysis in the mode of this appropriation through warfare and violence and the role that it plays in the larger political economy is what I call here militarized accumulation, accumulation by repression. So I'm just going to go through the next uh, the next uh, paragraph, and then I'm going to because it you, you really got to get into the whole book to get into the depth of it. But while the old style of military Keynesian still is still in place, and this is an important thing to understand, like some stupid fucking Marxists think that when capitalism started, that feudalism ended. I mean, all you have to do is look at the fucking uh, the South to understand that you still had feudalism functioning, at least in the United States, in, in forms that went well on into the early part of the 1900s with the share farming and all that other shit too. So. Um, it's important, Marx even said himself, that, that, that laid in the system that exists presently are the seeds of the new system, right? So like you can start to see, and, and by that same token, you're going to have elements of the old system still That's firmly embedded. That's Yes, exactly. It's all happening at the same time. Pollinization. 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 But yeah, they're all happening, but there's still movement. So I you have quit to, drinking. Again, that's why the paradigm question is so important. So. While the old style, while the old style military Keynesianism is still in place, the concept of militarized accumulation points to a more expansive role uh, that generating war repression and systems of transnational social control now play as they move to the very center of the global economy. Um, and later on in the book, like he actually talks about how, um, like like Israel um, military firms actually use Palestine as like a a place where they test their weapons, weapons and systems of control. Like some really weird shit, dude. Like really weird shit. Psyops type yes. systems. Yes. Like everything, like everything that you can imagine. And what scares me even more, the things that like because they just sit around and think about this shit. Well, they fucking torture them all the time, dude. Yeah. I mean, literally and figuratively. Okay, so we just. That got us a big check mark. So, uh, a global police state uh, spans systems of mass mass incarceration, immigrant detention, and deport deportation, refugee control systems, the construction of border and containment walls, uh, mass surveillance, urban policing, the deployment of paramilitary and private mercenary armies, and security forces, and so on. Uh, these have all become important sources of profit making that have helped offset the pressures of overaccumulation. Uh, you got to go read uh, Capital Volume 3 to get that one. So um, as uninvested capital accumulates, enormous pressures build 
uh, up to find outlets for unloading surpluses. A convergence comes about around global capitalism, political need uh, for social control and repression, and its economic need to perpetuate accumulation in the face of stagnation. So social unrest, stagnation, accumulation, and you use that as a tool to make money off of it, right? It is, if, if it is evident that unprecedented global inequalities can only be sustained by ubiquitous systems of social control and repression, it becomes equally evident that quite apart from the political considerations, the TCC, that's the transnational capital class, has acquired a vested interest in war conflict and repression as a means of accumulation. As war and state-sponsored violence become increasingly privatized, the interests of a broad array of capitalist groups shift from political, social, and ideological climate control, climate towards uh, generating and sustaining social conflict. So you ask the question, like, why didn't we do that? Because these motherfuckers think they can make more money off of... Well, no, no. And I understood that why we didn't do it. But what I'm wondering is if they truly knew that all those fuckers were going to rise up and, and mean, start shooting you, our fucking planes and you, bombing our ships and shit. You know that most of them didn't, but some of them did, you know? Because, so, uh, you know, I think that, uh, like, I like to believe that there are good faith actors out there and that there are people that are stupid enough in their ideal types that they sit there and cling to the thought that if we sit here and I'll talk about it and create this fucking legislation, you or know? start a podcast. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> They're they're not talking about what we're talking about in their legislation though. So right. I'm going to go with us. Um, so just the last the last part, such as in the Middle East, and in expanding systems of warfare, repression, surveillance, and social control. So the shift is from, like I said, using the you know creating supplies, you know creating creating stimulating, you know a, a weak economy to literally using it as in in a permanent state of making money out of it and being innovated with regards to it and you're talking about like war you're talking about incarceration like is he, everything that he listed in there i mean he's really good about that kind of stuff this poor motherfucker must have people watching and listening to everything that he does well and i don't know if we can i don't truly know i don't think that they're separate but the prison industrial complex is just as bad, which is, you mentioned incarceration. Here's here's the thing that bothers me. Like you mentioned, privatized armies. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see a line item for it in the budget. But the bill allows up to $6 billion in general transfer authority for unseen higher priority needs. Now, I don't know who the fuck needs $6 billion, but that just means that they've got an extra $6 billion that they can spend on whatever the fuck they want. And the reason that I talked well, about the, shift it, right? That's, I mean, the, the privatized armies or, or mm-hmm. militias or whatever the fuck he said is that these private companies that have these fucking... I don't want to call them warmongers because I think a monger sells war, but they've got these mercenaries, essentially. Um, they don't have to report back to any of the Senate subcommittees or House subcommittees or anybody because they're private companies. And I don't know for sure, but 
they are spending any of this money because there's probably a slush fund somewhere else where they're spending that money. But I just wanted to mention it because $6 billion in general transfer is a lot of fucking money. And we didn't even talk about the other appropriations budgets for... Um, for intelligence. Well, intelligence is built into here. No, intelligence comes from a different space altogether. No, it doesn't, because this is the jurisdiction. That's what I. That's why I gave you the definition at the beginning. There's, there's. I found a whole other bill that has nothing to do with this. That has to do with other, other, other extension of, of intelligence budgets. Maybe. But that's that's the point that you're part of the point that you're getting at is is that there's fucking money. And this, this, it, it can be moved from this to that. It's hidden in this space. You can have another bill that comes up that's ancillary but connected to these bills that the, we need to add another $100 billion to this because something suddenly, because fucking Russia, Russia used a tactical nuclear weapon, you know, uh, on uh, that, 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 that. And Russia is, didn't use a tactical nuclear yeah, weapon. But that, that, that's blowing onto Poland now or some shit like that, you know. Right. I mean, what, you know, whatever. You, obviously, you know, anything. No, and they do. That's, that's yeah. what I was trying to get at. But under, under the subcommittees that we were talking uh -huh. about, which is what this appropriations bill is, they have the direction, jurisdiction over. The CIA and all other intelligence. But all of the money that goes to them is not in this bill. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I wasn't arguing that it was, but parts of it are. Okay. That's all. So that's that's not a big deal. All I was saying is that, like I said, there's a slush fund somewhere else where they want to pay private armies. And it might be under fucking Homeland Security. It might be under fucking military construction. It might be under any number of other fucking appropriations bills because they try to look like they're transparent like it's great you can find all kinds of cool information but they also make certain information really fucking difficult to find so like the one that i found the ancillary one so it's like 67.1 billion going towards intelligence for this and that and this and that i like tried to get like into the breakdown and they don't give you anything no and i if i had to guess i would say that that's the nsa's budget they were talking about some things but so this is this is the way that they actually i don't want to get into this too heavy but it's fucking funny dude so they 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 talked about the military intelligence program and the national intelligence program but okay they, they don't they, they they give some sort of like specifics with regards to who and what but nothing with regards to like how that allocation runs Fuck, that's too many L's. What? Oh, I was just searching the fucking document to see if I could find how much intel. Well, so, and that's another thing we didn't really talk about yet. And and I know we're probably close to over an hour now. Um, but we spent 10 minutes trying to introduce you to the new fucking format. So, yeah, we don't want to. I almost just said two things that you're not supposed to say anymore. I almost said one that had to do with this and then this that had to do with that. And I'm already in trouble with them, so I better not say that. So we didn't talk about Southcom, Africom, Northcom, UCOM, or any of the comms, which is basically command um, or communications, depending on which 
yeah, how that relate how that relates to Taiwan, how that relates to Ukraine. Right. That. So we didn't talk about any of that stuff, and there's some important budget lines that are on there, um, which include a lot of intelligence because that's built in. Because essentially, well, so after 9/11, the military actually started to be the largest intel intelligence gathering network out there because anytime they fucking kicked in a door in Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever, they've got fucking cameras on their heads. They were grabbing fucking hard drives and everything else and taking them back. Well, to some degree, military intelligence, whether it was, you know, Navy for the Marines and Navy or whether it was Air Force, whoever, they might have kept some of it. But again, if I had to guess, I would say the majority of it went back to CIA so that their analysts could handle it. And depending on what it was on a hard drive or whatever, that went to NSA so that they could fucking decrypt it. But even, even still, like even even as we talk about these things, our understanding of it is like less than cursory. Like we 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 don't really. Well, no, because they fucking honeycomb everything on purpose. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, yeah. Everything is siloed yes. perfectly. And there are liaisons. The liaisons I, are the only ones that have access so between. Right? Here's the thing. So if you're a spy, uh -huh. if you work in espionage, or maybe in drug dealing, for that matter, you use a cutout. So a cutout is somebody that doesn't necessarily know what's going on on either side of him, but he knows what's going on for his job and his job is generally to deliver that message. So maybe they're just using a bunch of fucking cutouts to where nobody really fucking knows. There's just like one guy. That's, that's <laughs> when Nick, when I used to talk to Nick about it, that's kind of the way that he would always say everything. He's like the honeycomb and this and that nobody's knows fucking anything. And if you if you do, you know, you're fucking dead. Well, so, I was kind of being sarcastic, but, you're but not. I'm not because I mean, look, dude, I mean, Jack Ruby got killed. Why did they kill him? But I thought he died in prison. Fuck no, they shot him coming out of the fucking jail, dude. Jack Ruby shot Oswald coming out of the jail. Jack Ruby died in prison. Jack Ruby shot Oswald, dipshit. Maybe that is. Yeah, that's the way it happened. And 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 Jack Ruby never said a word, which I think is one of the worst. No, they killed fucking Jack Ruby. No, they too. did not. He died in fucking prison, dude. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure he died of cancer in prison. Man, you might be right. I well, I know that he did. Dude, I, I have a lot of fucking problems with my brain. So like you and just like as as an example, so like uh, they when they were arguing in the stupid JFK movie. Uh, one of the guys says, "Why don't we go talk to Jack Ruby?" They said, because if we go talk to Ruby, everybody's going to know that we're we have all these fucking things on the ground that are demonstrating that the U.S. intelligence agencies all fucked up and shit like that. Uh, he was in jail for a, a good amount of time. Just keep looking. I'm looking, motherfucker. You, you, I mean, just don't don't trust me about anything. I trust you. Yeah, I can I can see the trust in your eyes. I just wanted to find out how he died. He died of a fucking carcinoma. Yeah, he died of cancer. In they gave him cancer, motherfucker. <laughs> that's what. That's what. Uh, 
that's what uh, Nick what's would say. No, no, but <laughs> Nick probably would have said <laughs> no. Uh, the one that's uh, you know, uh, the little guy from Goodfellas. He was in fucking JFK. Joe Pesci. Yeah, Joe Pesci. That's yeah. what he 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 he. Uh, they ended up giving him heart medication to kill him, but uh, he'd be like, "They give you cancer." They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna give you some. They're gonna slip something in you, and you're gonna die. Blah 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 blah. blah. And look at the umbrella thing. Not the JFK umbrella. The other one, the stabbing in your leg umbrella. You gotta look at the JFK umbrella too. You know, the Maybe. black umbrella. You know. Um. Okay. So we have an yeah, exciting, exciting second half for the people who have subscribed to exclusive content. <laughs> don't 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 take this degeneration for the last this Jack Ruby degeneration for the last five minutes is any indication of where we're headed. No, because the first hour was fucking solid. Where are we at now? What about hour and twenty? Uh, I think twelve. Oh, eight. What hour eight? Yeah, okay. hour eight. All right. Um. So should we cut it off now, or do you want to keep going? No, no. We 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 gotta. Okay, exclusive content, if you're a subscriber, if not, well, you're shit out of luck. We're going to do the we're gonna do the various different uh, ones from all over the world, and I'm going to build on this global police state thing a little bit more. So. And I have no fucking idea what I'm going to talk about, but I'm sure it'll be entertaining to at least one person, me. 